episode 891. This is it, the final episode of Railbird Central, at least for the foreseeable future. Appropriately, we end it by talking about the future of the Packers organization with Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the future of the Packers organization. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by... Scott McKenna of the Talkin' Smack blog, who joins us here on a monthly basis here at Railbird Central. Scott, are you ready for this? I'm ready, my man. I'm ready. <laughs> All right. We're going to talk today about the future of the Packers organization, and we're going to start from the top down and, and start with the discussion of the Packers general manager position here and Scott, if you can allow me a little bit of exposition and then we'll get your thoughts on it. Of course, we know by now Ted Thompson has transitioned to an advisory role, opening up the general manager position in Green Bay. Um, there are several in-house candidates, uh, including Russ Ball, Elliot Wolf, Brian Gutekunst. Uh, we know Alonzo Highsmith has now left the Packers organization. There's a report by Tom Silverstein of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that indicates Russ Ball is the leading candidate. So I guess, Scott, where are where are you with the general manager search? Uh, maybe over the course of your answer, you can talk about who your candidate would be and uh, what do you think the Packers should be doing? Yeah, well, uh, you know, first and foremost, I'll never understand why the Packers did not reach out to John Dorsey earlier in the year to let him know that there was potentially going to be a vacancy. Uh, this Thompson transition, it's it's impossible for me to believe that this was an impulse decision. And in some ways, I guess I'm a, I'm a believer that, uh, that that Thompson has been somewhat of an aide to Ball and Wolf and Gutekunst over the over the last year. And I wonder if Thompson has been a, you know, maybe maybe a, a guide to them or a consultant over the last year. And, and he wasn't necessarily even the head honcho. Um, maybe I'm crazy there, but it just felt like things were different over the last year as far as the way that we approached the team, the way that we approached free agency, and then even the way that Packers.com sort of uh, um, did their – their press conferences, if you will, after the uh, after the the you know the picks were made, it felt like Gutekunst and, and Wolf were really being highlighted, and uh, it made me think at that time. And I, I touched on this occasionally over the the course of the last year as to whether you know was Thompson really still the 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 head honcho or or was he more of an aide to the uh, the youth within the Packers organization, but. You know, with that said, I, I really believe that there were there were two people that were most fit for the job, and that was Dorsey and John Schneider. And Dorsey, just uh, just over a month ago, was or just under a month ago, I should say, was he was a free agent in December. And uh, you'd have to imagine that 
he'd have, he'd have enjoyed coming back to Green Bay. Um, and, uh, and, and that would have been a role that he would have been really enticed by rather than, you know, taking the position in Cleveland. And I do know that there's a lot of things that are attractive with the Cleveland position right now. But I felt that Dorsey would have been a perfect fit. And I felt like his release from Kansas City at the time had really opened this up for the Packers to try and have conversations. And, you know, who knows, maybe it happened and it hasn't been reported. But it's shocking to me that uh, that uh, this this happens at the time it does um, just a month after you know, Dorsey signs with the uh, the Owen 16 Cleveland Browns. and The Packers never engaged in a conversation with them. So, you know, I, I guess with regards to Schneider, and I firmly believe that this is an ideally ideal match with uh, between Schneider and the Packers. And I understand that Schneider might require compensation. It's my belief that the Packers should offer con- compensation in order to get him. Um, the more I think about it, uh, the more obvious, in, in my opinion, it becomes. And if you take you, you take a step back, take a take a step away from the fairy tale side of the story with, you know, Schneider being a Green Bay kid and the feel good homecoming story. You step away from all of that. You, ta- you, you know, you, you, you look at all the things that uh, that that look like it's easy to uh, to paint, you know. Um, where he, that's where he got his career started. And, you know, all of that is super cute. But if you look at the, fo- the football picture, Brian, what's really interesting is Schneider's teams, their strengths have always been at cornerback, in the secondary, the speed of the, of the linebacker position. And Schneider's weaknesses, if we're fair and we're honest, have been at the offensive line. And now you look at the present-day Packers, and if you're looking at the quickest way to recovery, the Packers' offensive line is really, I mean, we're buttoned up with Taylor locked in and Lindsley locked in and Bakhtiari locked in. We are, we do need help at right guard. And, you know, Bulag is signed. We need him to be fit next year. But there wouldn't be much work that Schneider needs to be done there except for the, the right guard position there, assuming Balaga is healthy. Where this team needs immediate improvement, there's nobody more fit. There's nobody smarter in my opinion, in all of football, at being able to identify cornerbacks than John Schneider. And that's the, that's been our biggest weakness on our team over the last three years, is we never replaced Sam Shields since he got had his concussion issues starting in 2015. We never replaced Tremont Williams post the 2014 collapse when he got beat to complete our season. We just never, we never, we tried to identify talent. Nobody ever, nobody ever took that step. It's noteworthy to me that Schneider had two chances at Kevin King in the first round last year. Kevin King had been, um, you know, he played football in Schneider's backyard. And Kevin King has all the credentials that Schneider seemingly loves. He's got speed. He's got length. He's, uh, you know, he, he showed playmaking ability. But he passed on him twice. Not once, but twice. And then he took Shaquille Griffin in the uh what the third round from uh central florida and griffin looks like he's going to have a long great career so when i look at it to me this is an absolute no-brainer the packers need to do whatever it takes um to go get schneider and i know i'm probably crazy when i say this but i would be willing if i were the packers to offer as much as a first round pick not this year's but next year's first round pick for for schneider um, in, uh, in, 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 in my opinion, he's just, he's the guy that, uh, that would be a fit. And, uh, 
uh, it doesn't just make fairy tale sense. It, it makes intelligence sense as well. That is some bold talk right there, offering a first-round draft pick to the Seattle Seahawks in return for John Schneider. Uh, I, to, to be honest, uh, I haven't even thought about what compensation it would take or how you would structure that, but that is interesting. Um, if, if I could here, just, just a little bit of talk about Russ Ball seeing as he seems to be the, the, the top candidate. At least that's what we're going on based upon reports from beat reporters. Um, people seem fearful of Russ Ball because he's the most like Ted Thompson. And, and people, I think, want to get away from Ted Thompson after they saw kind of the deterioration of the Packers over the past few years. Not that it's a, a bare cupboard by any means, but uh, the the only thing that I see, you, you know, in common between Ted Thompson and, and Russ Ball is that maybe Ball is the oldest in-house candidate um, and, and that he's pretty quiet and reserved. That's the only really thing that I, I see in common between these two. I mean, I've, I've never seen Ball talk on camera before and and maybe they're more alike than I think, but I, I can't really, you know, say anything more because we don't know that much about it. How do we know he's not more willing to listen to his personnel advisors and scouts than maybe Thompson was earlier in his career? I don't really know about that. So what what can you say to that, Scott? You know, there, I think there's a genuine fear that uh, there, with with regards to the unknown. And this is such a big decision. You know, people people who want change, um, you know, and, and, and I've often you know, you hear you've heard people say throughout uh, the last the course of the last couple of years, well, we need to get rid of McCarthy and uh, we've got Rogers so we can just automatically win. Well, and with that, I, I, I remind them that, you know, in 1995, 96 and 97, uh, Brett Favre was the first three time MVP in the history of the NFL. Uh, 98, we got run over by Randy Moss, and then the, the Jerry Rice fumbled that wasn't called. Uh, we lose Holmgren, and uh, Favre is in the pinnacle and the peak of his career. And uh, we get Ray Rhodes, and we finish 8-8, eight and eight, and then we, lo- we lose him for, for obvious reasons. And we get Mike Sherman, and what were we, 8-8 eight and eight in his first year. So this is not a, a, a no-brainer that just if Roger is healthy – Rodgers is healthy that we're going to be, you know, a 10 and 6 team and, and going to the playoffs or 11 and 5 or whatever, whatever you have it. This is a crucial, crucial decision. And I think there's there's a lot of reason for worry because this needs to be done right. And we we, we have to make sure that the Green Bay Packers have the right person running the ship and there needs to be a proven commodity. And if we were seriously looking for change, well, then let's change. And, uh, uh, you know, I, 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 I have great respect for Russ Ball for what I've, you know, what I've read. I, I've, you know, we, we haven't heard him speak. Um, so uh, what, you, what you learn is from, uh, from what other people have wrote about him. And everything looks to be, uh, to be um, you know, there, there's a lot of reason for optimism there. But he hasn't been a scout. And in my opinion, when you take, and McCarthy even said it yesterday, draft and develop is going to remain a, uh, it needs to remain a, a big portion of, uh, of, of the puzzle. Well, when you're drafting and developing, you, you have to hit with your draft picks. And uh, you can't trade up to get Jason Spriggs and then take Kyler Fackrell one, one round after him. That just doesn't work in draft and develop. Uh, so we need to make sure that we've got the keenest of eyes at, 
you know, in our scouting scouting department. And this this uh, um, and, and the general manager, I think, has to be the wisest and sharpest of the uh, the scouting minds in the shed. And I just don't envision or understand how that works when, you know, ball sits up there, stands up and uh, and says, hey, here's why we drafted, you know, um, you know, whoever it's going to be at cornerback in the first round this year. And here's what here's what I saw that made me made me like him when he he hasn't done that before. And uh, he seems like he's a real sharp and qualified guy for a lot of things. I just don't know that the timing is great for uh, for where the Packers organization is today. If we're truly trying to to win another championship, um, you know, while Aaron Rodgers is still playing a great football. Well, let me phrase this this way too. What what about the potential of losing Golden Boy Elliot Wolf and and Brian Gutekinds too? You know, so many people hold Wolf in high regard, and I, I get there's maybe a, a little bit of worry about nepotism in that you're kind of hoping and praying that he's as successful as as his father, but. I mean, he seems like a good guy, and I have nothing against Elliot Wolf, but there's just that worry there that people, you know, hold him in such high regard because of his name more than anything else. Yeah, and you know, if one of the other things that would be interesting is, to me is, you know, I'm in the staffing business. That's what that's what I do. I run a staffing company out here in Denver, and the, and you don't pay a uh, executive retained search, you know, fee because that's upfront. That's paid for what. For, for regardless of whether they identify the candidate or not um, with with that said you don't pay somebody like that if you're if you're staying in house in my opinion at least nobody's ever paid me in advance if they were going to hire somebody internally uh, generally speaking in that and you know just as an industry knowledge if uh, if somebody's re- reached out to me in a situation that's similar to what the Packers are, are in right now they've test drove each of those candidates and uh, felt or identified them as not quite being ready to take that next step in their career. So they need to go and, uh, and attract somebody else. So they need, uh, uh, they need somebody to be, you know, I guess the word is a headhunter to go and identify a, uh, um, you know, uh, somebody that, uh, that, you know, might be, might be fit for the job. And oftentimes I'm given a list of names that uh, they feel like they can't, uh, they can't call directly. So they want me to be the person to go and, uh, and try to, convince that person to come and, uh, and and join their team so my hope is that that's what the case is that we're talking about right now and that uh you know we've uh, we've we've handed over john schneider's name to somebody else and john schneider's getting a ring and trying to get uh, uh convinced to uh to as to why he should return home and uh put the title back in title town i guess <laughs> but uh that's just an interesting side story for me personally i guess as to why I'm, I, what the curiosity is as to why they've they've hired this uh, executive search firm. Yeah, sometimes I wonder if it's just a case of like, well, uh, they're finding they're trying to find the skeletons in the closet a little bit and to see if there's anything worrisome there in the personal lives or, or anything of these candidates that might prevent them from from hiring that person as well. Um, and, and just kind of one final note here on the GM search, I just should. Uh, indicate that uh, Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network has mentioned that former Bills general manager Doug Whaley has has is a candidate too, or could be of interest to Green Bay. Uh, but moving on, we we got to talk about the offense and the defense here, Scott. 
because uh, there's major change here too. And and let me preface all this here on the offensive side of the football. Alex Van Pelt is leaving of his own volition after his contract has expired. So the Packers currently, at, at, as of this moment, without a quarterback's coach. And, and Edgar Bennett has been approached to uh, transition to a new role. Apparently won't be the offensive coordinator anymore. Uh, he's going to get a, a demotion, I guess. Uh, so the Packers will have a new offensive coordinator or Maybe they have multiple people to do this. I'm not sure. The one in-house candidate being mentioned is James Campen. Two from the outside of, uh, that have formerly been employed by the Packers are candidates Joe Philbin and Ben McAdoo, both former head coaches in the NFL. This is according to Rob Domoski of ESPN. If I had to guess what's going to happen is we're going to see David Ray become the quarterback's coach in Green Bay and Edgar Bennett become the wide receiver's coach once again, but that still leaves an opening at offensive coordinator. So, Scott, what do the Packers do? It's, uh, it's, it's Those are some great, uh, great, great outlooks that you've just provided. My biggest thing is I would love to get Philbin and or McAdoo back in the picture. Um, you know, they both got uh, – look, this offense – tasted a ton of success when they were around and uh, they were both, I, th- I feel strong advisors to McCarthy and they both seemingly had Rogers's respect, which I think is an important piece of this puzzle. You know, Rogers was very vocal about both of them when they were around and uh, his appreciation for what that, what they brought to the table and uh, together when the, when that crew was together, they scored a lot of points and had a lot of success. And I think that that reunion in a lot of ways should occur. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I guess simply stated, I'm, I'm hoping that either, uh, Philbin or, or McAdoo comes back. And in, I can also see a scenario in which you might see both of them coming back if they can tuck their egos aside and try to really put a, a, a fire, uh, fire powered, uh, you know, set of minds in a room together. And, you know, I think Philbin and McAdoo have to look at their situations and say, Hey, we, we learned that one of McCarthy's greatest strengths has been able to handle adversity. And, you know, when we were put in the position to be that, uh, that leader in the front of the room and to, to try and put the pieces, uh, the pieces together when things were broken, we, we struggled with it. So, you know, I think that they both offer uh, a unique set of skills that, uh, that, that really mesh well with uh, what McCarthy's uh, skill set is. And together they form a puzzle that, uh, that has uh, that that, sh- that had as I said had a lot of success previously, and I fancy they would again. Yeah, um, they uh, uh, the Packers do have experience with kind of guys holding this offensive coordinator go- role. Multiple guys when Tom Clements and Edgar Bennett kind of shared that role and had different responsibilities, so they have done it before. Uh, Scott, if we take a look at whoever the Packers hired to be their offensive coordinator who they've got to work with here. What What is the biggest positions of need that the Packers need to address this offseason on the offensive side of the football? I can't remember the last time the Packers have had so many holes on the offensive side of the ball right now. And, uh, you know, I, I touched on the offensive guard position. I mean, that that's, that's just a huge... Uh, Huge opening. I don't think Lucas Patrick can step in and be counted on to be the right guard based you, on his performance. Do you think Jari Evans could be back? Um, I I really thought that Evans's game deteriorated as the uh, season went along. I thought that he got off to a really slow start. He uh, he found his groove and had eight to ten games of uh, of solid play, 
And then I thought his game really deteriorated at the end of the year, and I, I, I don't see Evans back, no. Um, I, I think offensive guard, is we're going to see somebody, the starter there will be somebody that uh, has not been on the roster this year, in, uh, in my opinion. And though I wish they would have really tried to plug Spriggs in as a guard because his the start of his career has just really reminded me of the way that Mike Wall started his career. What about uh, McCray at guard? Uh, possibility, possibility. Um, and what's what's funny with McCray in some ways, and, and uh, maybe I'm crazy here, Brian, but I've almost uh, I, I I have great respect for what McCray has done as a utility offensive lineman. I like him better as a uh, as a swing backup, and uh, I just feel more comfortable with him being a uh, um, a guy that is going to be a one of the the, the versatile um, backup offensive linemen that he can play tackle in a pinch, he can play guard in a pinch. Uh, but I, you know, I really hope that we can have an upgrade there, and uh, um, and that we'll we'll have somebody new at uh, at the right guard position. And I also think that you gotta, you got The Packers are gonna have to make another investment in right tackle. Spriggs was a whiff. Uh, you know, Kyle Murphy showed uh, showed some glimpses of goodness, and then we saw what happened against Cincinnati. And I'm not fully certain if what happened against Cincinnati was him playing through injury, or if that's just really who he is. And uh, but I do think that uh, you know you're gonna have to probably, you know, add it, add an offensive tackle as well. Um, you know, we saw a tight end that. Uh, Boy, Hunley, Hunley played, I thought, a decent game against Minnesota, and just nobody could catch the ball. And Kendricks was one of those guys. He had two two drops that were, were – they hit him right in the hands. There was no excuse for it. Uh, you know, Richard Rodgers is a free agent. I can't imagine anteing up to bring him back. So going to need a tight end or two. And then, you know, you look at the wide receiver position, and uh, we're going to need to do something there. You got both Nelson and Nelson hinting that this might be his last year. Cobb in the last year of a deal. It'll be interesting to see what the new GM decides to do there. Uh, we just anteed up for uh, for Devontae Adams, but, you know, Janice is going to be gone. Not that that's a big loss. Um, Trevor Davis hasn't shown me a lot as a wide receiver or much of anything as a wide receiver. And I'd love that to be an upgrade at punt returner as well. And, uh, you know, you got, you got Allison who's shown some glimpses of goodness, but then, you know, when you look at uh, you look at his career, you think what was what's the he's got two real highlights. One of them at the close of the Cincinnati game, and he's got the you know the fumble that uh, that ended the season this year. So uh, you know I really think that at wide receiver we're going to have to add a couple of bodies there too, and to get some youth movement. And everybody wants to be really excited about Michael Clark, but uh, you know with the way he performed, it, it left a lot to be desired too. So. You know, I, I, I think there's a lot of work that needs to be done on, uh, on the offensive side of the ball. It's going to be great to get Rodgers back. we still got a lot of key players at, uh, at the offensive line. They're going to be back. Our running back position seems to be in better shape than it's been since maybe the early 80s. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's just, but other than that, you know, I, I think we, got some, uh, we definitely have some, uh, some uh, holes that we have to plug there. Yeah, I, I'll say this. I will go out on a limb and say tight end is the biggest need for the Packers on the entire roster. I, I could be talked into cornerback perhaps being that as well, but I think, you know, with Nelson and Cobb, at least one of them probably not being part of the picture next year, 
Um, the Packers need another big time uh, target, and I think it's got to be a big person. Uh, not that they don't need speed on the roster too, but I think they need to address the tight end situation either high in the draft or with the free agent. And uh, uh, that's what I'm thinking right now. But to transition to the defensive side of the football, and Scott, once again, kind of let me allow me to uh, set the scene here. Uh, defensive coordinator job is now open uh, now that Dom Capers has been fired, along with uh, assistant coaches Mike Turkovac and Scott McCurley. Uh, and Tim McGarrigal, a defensive assistant, is leaving to join the staff at Northwestern, reportedly. Now, the in-house candidates we know about for the defensive coordinator job are Darren Perry, Joe Witt, and Winston Moss, who is also interviewed for the Lions head coach job but isn't guaranteed to be getting it. Um, there's no shortage of candidates from outside the organization, uh, perhaps led by Vic Fangio, but also names thrown about Mike Nolan, Chuck Pagano, Gus Bradley, Michael Barrow, Mike Pettin, uh, Jack Del Rio. <laughs> um, uh, so, so Scott, what, where are you with the defensive coordinator position? Well, first of all, if it's going to be an internal candidate, I don't know how it could be Darren Perry. If yeah. you look at, I mean, you, you, you look at our safety position, and boy, a couple months ago, I think you and I were talking that the Packers have five legitimate safeties on this roster. And then you look at this, the play that we had this year, and it's like, uh, well, Bryce never took the next step. Marwin Evans was arguably, if you were to put together a, an all-pro special or an all-pro team in the preseason, Marwin Evans would be on it. And then he can't even get himself on the field in the uh, in the in the NFL or during the regular season. And when you did see him on the field, he was non-existent. Josh Jones never took another step. Ha ha. Clint, Clinton Dix uh, regressed as much as anybody in the NFL this year. And then Morgan Burnett ended up having to play like a, a, you know a slot cornerback this year. So you know I, I would really be disappointed if if Darren Perry is the uh, is is the guy that gets selected as to to you know to be the the next defensive coordinator? I will say that the, uh, it was nice to see Charles Woodson give Joe Joe Witt a uh, a uh, a ringing endorsement on Twitter. And uh, I will say that when when Witt has been given talent, he's made the best of it. He, when he hasn't had talent, he's it's been uh, it's been tough for him to be able to cover Julio Jones. We've seen, but. Uh, you know, I think the Packers, again, need to go to the outside. Uh, you know, if you're going to look for change, uh, you, you got to change. And uh, I, I really look at two people that are uh, that, that should be of uh, of the most attractive nature to me. And uh, one of them is Fangio. Obviously, how can you not like Fangio? He's been a thorn in our side for years. Um, you know, I think he'd bring instant credibility. He'd bring instant physicality. He'd bring he'd bring instant tenacity and and a thing that we, you know, we've heard we've been maybe missing is accountability. And he'd bring all those tools to a defense that has struggled to show consistency over the last three years. And uh, he's really brought this, uh, this fight to his teams, regardless of the talent that he's had. And his teams have always been able to really, um, you know, produce turnovers, which is something that's really been lacking from our, uh, from our defense since, uh, you know, we've had the, the, the changes of faces, if you will. Additionally, he's a guy that would allow us to stay in a 3-4. If they were going to go to a 4-3, I'd love Spags. I, I, I wish we would take a look at Steve Spagnola. And, uh, you know, Spags has been a guy that's always brought heat with his defenses. He's mixed up his blitzes. 
Uh, he's brought confusion. He's brought pressure. And the intensity of his defenses have really, um, I think that would really gear us up a couple of notches. And another thing with, uh, with Spags is he's been a guy that's been proven to have success at Lambeau Field. So um, I, I, I think that those are two names that are proven commodities that instantly bring respect to a locker room and leadership to a locker room on the defensive side of the ball. It's a new voice and, and, uh, and, uh, and new ideas, which are things that I think would be, would be freshly welcomed into, uh, into the locker room. Okay, so with that, whoever the defensive coordinator ends up being, what are the holes on the defensive side of the football that we're looking for and in, in, in the offseason needs of the Green Bay Packers? Yeah, you, you said uh, tight end, and I, I could be talked into tight end being the I, I would have tight end as the number two uh, position of need on this roster, but I think cornerback. And, you know, you you look at how quickly you, the, the New York Giants two years ago went from being a, uh, uh, you know, an, a, a team without a without a presence to a team that was really a high-end Super Bowl contender before he ran into Aaron Rodgers at Lambeau Field. And what they had done is they took a, a cornerback in the first round, um, and they had they had bought the best cornerback in uh, in free agency, and I think the Packers need to do something similar this offseason. I think the Packers need to invest mightily in a uh, in a in a cornerback via free agency. And I think that uh, you know if we're going to have four picks in the first three rounds, I think you need to draft two cornerbacks, and I think you need to draft two people that can play on the edge. And uh, um, uh, we we need to revamp this defense with some youthful energy, some youthful excitement, some. Um, you know, people that are going to be uh, are going to be wrist slappers for turnover forcers. That's uh, that needs to be a, a change here. We need to get longer. We need to get faster. And, uh, you know, I think we tried to do that last year and uh, we didn't see the results from Jones or King. And uh, because of it, we're staring at some of the same needs that we had last year. And uh, we, we need help at cornerback and we need help in, on the edge. And I do think we also need another if we're going to stay in a three four. We need another inside linebacker, unless that's going to be what Jones is going to eventually play is that Dayon Buchanan style of inside linebacker position, if that's going to truly be his spot, which I think it should be. Um, and I think he could excel in that role. Uh, but if we're going to have Jones be a, uh, be a safety, then we, then we need an inside linebacker. Um, and if Jones is going to be an inside linebacker, then, you know, we might need a safety if we aren't going to believe in Marwan Evans and, and if uh, Kentrell Bryce isn't going to be able to take that next step. Yeah, that's the point I was going to make is is maybe they need a safety because maybe Jones shifts inside and maybe Morgan Burnett leaves and now you're a little low on safety depth. So it's mm-hmm. going to be interesting no matter what happens. But, uh, Scott, this kind of brings to an end our discussion here and brings to an end our relationship on Railbird Central, at least for the time being, uh, with the caveat that uh, Railbird Central may be back eventually. Indefinite hiatus, but it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I've greatly appreciated uh, your insight that you've brought to the show and, and think highly of your opinions, and it was a lot of fun to have you on over the years. Yo, Brian, you know, this is uh, if this is indeed going to be the last time we're doing this podcast together. You know, I, I genuinely want to say that it's been a true honor uh, to banter everything Packers. It's been great fun to play a small role on Railbird Central. Uh, you've, you know, truly you've been a, a pillar of knowledge for the Packers community and your perspective will will be missed by many. I'm certain of it. And, uh, you know, for now and forever, Brian, go pack up. Sounds good. Go, go pack. Go see you, Scott. Scott, 
Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog, joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. Uh, and Railbird Central, by the way, is brought to you by Beerock, Madison's forthcoming craft beer bar, opening in the spring of 2018, so not too far down the road. Don't have an exact opening date yet, still a little bit fluid, but hopefully that will become apparent in the coming days and weeks. Um, uh, thank you so much, everybody, for, for helping make that happen. I'll talk a little bit more about Beerock at the end here. Uh, but my, my Packers news segment, and we talked about most of the things uh, that have been happening around the Packers organization during our uh, discussion with Scott McKenna. And I'm not going to, you know, go through all the candidates for defense coordinator and general manager again. But, it, you know, there was kind of one thing that I really just wanted to mention here. That's something that came out of Mike McCarthy's press conference on Thursday. Um, as he met with the media for, uh, I guess, what you would consider the last time for this past season. Um, Mike McCarthy said a recurring theme um, in the exit interviews that he conducted with the players, as he does every year, talks to every player before they leave, um, the theme of leadership in the locker room or the lack thereof, uh, which uh, a little bit disappointing to hear. And one interesting case study is HaHa ha Clinton Dix, um, who had some strong words about the makeup of the team in the locker room in his final interview of the season, I believe back on Tuesday when he met with the media, uh, you know, kind of questioning uh, how good some of the players were and some of their motives, how they're just in it to make the Pro Bowl or just in it to pull a paycheck. And, you know, Clinton Dix is obviously a guy that wants to take on a leadership role on this team. Uh, he was someone that was voted a playoff captain last year. So we, I think he has the, the, you know, confidence of his teammates, you know, they voted for him. Um, but you know, we can kind of look at it is, is, is he ready to be the, uh, it looked at in a light the same as Aaron Rodgers, the same as Julius Peppers, who are, you know, potential future Hall of Famers here. And I don't think Clinton Dix is maybe ready for that role yet. Um, maybe he could be at some point who's looked up to as the guy everybody looks up to on defense. Um, and because, you know, he's he's somebody that regressed more perhaps than anyone on the roster this past year. And granted, I know some of it had to do with scheme. And there was a lot of times Clinton Dix was lined up deep off the ball. And how do you make plays if you're if you're done that? But certainly that isn't all of it. Uh, you, you know, there's definitely he deserves criticism uh, for you know, poor play this year. And especially in the last game when he appeared, not the only one, but he appeared to, you know, give up and not get hurt. Uh, head coach Mike McCarthy proceeded to defend Clinton Dix in his press conference. Although he did admit that Clinton Dix expressed disappointment in his play while in his exit interview. And, and those are good things. Um, so I, I think ha ha Clinton Dix needs to find himself this off season because I think we all know the talent is there. 
Uh, now it has to manifest itself, and hopefully a new defensive coordinator can help Clinton Dix grow into that role. Uh, and it's going to be a big season for him in 2018 because it, you know he's got that one-year contract extension, but he's going to be playing for a contract again uh, and a much longer contract this, this upcoming year. So hopefully he's a guy who grows both as a player and as a leader. And then and then you've got Demarius Randall, another interesting case study here. Uh, he made some interesting comments in his final interview, I guess, with the media this year after the season. Uh, he's saying, uh, paraphrasing here, but the coaching staff needs to hold players accountable. And and you kind of look into that comment, and, and I wonder what was going through Demarius Randall's head in that. Maybe he's saying that because he was held accountable. He was benched, and, and ever since that point, he really played well the rest of the season. Uh, you, you got to think that, well, at least for 2018, there's there's a role for him on this team, and you know, a, a still a lot of burden is going to fall on his own shoulders to not go back to the player that he was prior to his benching. Um, and he's got to improve and become even more of a playmaker for this Packers team. And Mike McCarthy kind of talked about how, uh, how Demarius Randall needs to take care of his own house. And I think that's true. And hopefully Demarius Randall takes that to heart. I think, you know, the Packers sent uh, a big message to him and he seemed to receive it at the time. Um, and, and that's a good thing. And, and hopefully he continues to receive it. And, you know, maybe Demarius Randall isn't the cutout for a leadership team, a leadership role like Clinton Dix is, but that doesn't necessarily mean he's not a good player. Um, but you know, he's got to take care of his, his own house and, and maybe he can be a good player for this team. Just interesting comments that I wanted to leave you with here. Uh, if we're talking about Packers news and, and finally some footnotes here. The Packers did sign two more players to futures contracts uh, in addition to the five we talked about on our last episode of Railbird Central. And indeed, one of them was offensive lineman Kofi Amichia. Uh, in addition to linebacker Ahmad Thomas, they were both signed. So Packers now have few, five, pardon me, seven players signed to futures contracts here. Um, in addition to the five they already announced, um, why, why they did so, why these two were later than the first five, I don't really know, uh, but it's probably not too big a deal. The only ones they haven't signed who were on the practice squad are cornerback Rayshon Pringle and defensive lineman is a Lunsford and, and Lunsford, I know got into some legal trouble, uh, this past season. So maybe he's on his way out. Uh, I would tend to think that seeing as he hasn't been signed already, but we'll see. Um, but moving on the day ahead. All right. The Packers are already in the midst of GM interviews. It started on Thursday with Elliot Wolf and it's only going to continue from here. And it looks like they're going to try to wrap this up by sometime next week and and perhaps they're moving a little bit quicker than I anticipated but regardless you know that's that's what's going on in Green Bay you can imagine that you know Brian Gutekunst and Russ Ball are going to be next and and maybe they bring in a one or two candidates from the outside to interview we'll see what happens with John Schneider if anything 
Um, so there's that to look forward to. You can imagine we're going to hear a lot more about the defensive coordinator and offensive coordinator positions too, and bring those kind of guys in for interview. Although we haven't heard about a lot of interviews set up yet on that front, but I think you can expect that in the next few days. Um, finally here, uh, Friday evening at the Meyer theater in green Bay, is what's being billed as an evening with Bob Harlan. Uh, him, of course, being the former Packers president and the current uh, chairman emeritus. Uh, it, it happens at 7 o'clock p.m. local time on Friday night, and, and tickets are on sale through ticketstaronline.com uh, if you want to are interested in looking to buy them. Uh, the event is being put on by WFRV-TV in Green Bay. That's the local CBS affiliate, Channel 5, with a discussion moderated by sports director Burke Griffin, who we've had as a guest on the show here before. Uh, I have to think this is something that will be recorded and used for television purposes of some sort. Uh, I don't know if they plan to air this in its entirety eventually or just use clips from it to supplement other things they do on TV. But anyway, uh, there you go. That's happening Friday night, and that's what's happening in the foreseeable future uh, with the uh, Packers organization. And that's bringing to a close uh, Railbird Central here. I, I do have a few comments. Um uh, before I go here. And uh, first, uh, I, I promised that I would kind of thank the people uh, who helped uh, me transition from this role to why I'm taking the break, which is to start up my own business, as I've mentioned on here many times. Uh, but uh, there have been several contributors to our GoFundMe campaign who, without those people, I wouldn't be able to do this. And and I just briefly want to list them off here and mention them. Uh, Joseph Pritchard, Christopher Keller, Kathy Breland, Adrian Herrera, Jesse and Pete Caravu, Chris and Misty Caravu, Courtney Hofferman, Josh Gosser, Daniel Sitter, Kevin Bly, Austin Swoboda, Jolene Caravu, uh, Brenda Ortiz, Daniel Showman, Eric Sislevich, Adam Vanderheiden, Al Bracco, Stephanie Geisler, Josh Holzbauer and Andrew Grutza. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your donations to our campaign. It, it helped make B-Rock become a reality, and for that I am uh, very, very grateful. And, um, yes, uh, I, I've you know mentioned this on social media a couple times. Might Railbird Central be back? Yes, it's, it's possible. I, I hope it is someday. Uh, just when that is in the future, I can't exactly say right now. Uh, I, I can't commit to anything right now. Uh, so, uh, I, I hope for it to be back and, and believe me, just, just follow me on social media and when it is, uh, you'll know. So, uh, that's my promise to you <laughs> that you, you will be fully aware of it if, and when it does come back. Um, and, and just a final note to anybody, you know, here I am trying to make, do transition to something different in my life. And if you feel like you want to do that in your life, go out and do it. Um, uh, I, I'll I'll say this this uh, this has been two years in the making for me and, and my family, and um, 
it's not easy to do. Uh, there's, you know, when if you want to start a business or you just want to do a new job in a totally different field, it's not going to be easy. It's, it's going to take uh, perhaps for a lot of people going back to school. Um, but don't be afraid to take that leap and, and do it if you want. Uh, and, and understand that it doesn't come immediately, that there's going to have to be goals along the way. Uh, there may have to you may have to stick with a job uh, for a while to simply raise money to do the things you want to do, like go back to school uh, with the goal of eventually transitioning to a new profession or something like that. But don't let that be a deterrent to you. Um, I, I think you got to do what makes you happy, and, and that's what I'm trying to do right now. And, and I hope uh, I can see every one of you that listen to the show at some point come next time you're in Wisconsin. You're in Madison, Wisconsin. Stop by Beer Rock opening in the spring of 2018. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, folks. Uh, it's so much fun, and not just now, but over the years, over ne- nearly, not quite, but nearly 900 episodes total. Uh, I think we started in, you know, back in around the year 2010 with podcasts being hosted at Cheesehead TV. Uh, I did have a, a little bit of an iteration on my own website, you know, railbirdcentral.com before that. It's been a while, uh, but it's been a lot of fun over the years. And, um, uh, you know, hopefully many more down the line here. We'll see you, folks. Uh, on behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caravu. Uh I leave you today with a song called Colliding. Uh, by the String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. Go, pack, go.